Scripture with you, I invite you to turn with me, and there we'll begin our time together. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples on the night He's to be betrayed. Would you please stand for the reading of the Gospel and respect for Christ's words? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. You may have been wondering when we would end our P-Words sermons. Today is the last P-Word. Our friendly little P will end up on the wall below the 180 as we continue our 180 sermon series, turning 180 that is. And next week, if you didn't figure out from the bulletin, the bolded letter in that paragraph was L. We'll be on the L words next week. And uh, there's not as many of those as P words, so we'll move through those a little quicker. But as part of the 180 sermon series, the Turning 180, what we've been talking about is a 180 from ourself toward God, our self and our self-focus to the worldview of what faith is about. That it's an external sharing. It's not something we just keep. It's something we give. And so our lives should be turning 180 when God gets a hold of us from one perspective to a godly perspective. This morning, as we begin to move forward into the P word for today, I will share with you that when you hear it, you may say, oh, that's it. But I, I'm not as upfront about the P word, so I'll tell you it's place. Place. As in Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. So place. And it's not exactly what you're thinking, but it's a lot different than what a lot of people who come to church say the place is. And I want to share this story with you, and it's a true story. First time I heard the phrase, three hots and a cot, I was very young. Didn't remember it until I began to study the origin of that phrase. The most recent time that I had remembered hearing it until I began to study the origin was about 12 years ago as an addictions counselor. And they were talking about how in jail they get three hots and a cot. And that's basically their life. Eat and sleep. There's nothing else they can do. You know, every so often you come into a place where there's some better uh, accommodations. You get to watch TV, read books, study, things like that. But the only promise is three hots and a cot. However, if you didn't know this, it used to be two. And in some prisons, it was one hot and a cot. And you say, wait a minute. What are you talking about? What's three hots referring to? It's meals. Three hot meals and a bed to sleep on. Now, where it originated was not from that mentality, but a long time ago in the military. In the military, they said, not only will we train you and you get to see the world, we'll give you three hots and a cot too. So you don't have to worry about your room and board. And that's where that came from. Now, 
a lot of people began to change what that meant, and it became a slang statement for if you get in trouble, your reward is three hots and a cot. In other words, it wasn't a good thing. It was a bad thing. However, as we'll see in a few minutes, that has changed yet again. And the reason people say that phrase in certain circles is they think that that's better than the life they have now. At least I got something to eat and place to sleep right now. I'm living derelict. Uh, hand to mouth, no place to stay, no food to eat, no work, no money. At least in jail, I got three meals eaten, a, a roof over my head. And that, my friends, is pretty sad if that's all you're looking for out of this life. As a ecclesiastical Solomon said, if all we have is this world, we might as well eat, drink, and be happy because tomorrow we'll die. And that's the mentality of this life is all there is, what you see, and then it's done. But i got to tell you, in the places where we live our lives from day to day, we sometimes think there's a better place for us. Maybe you're not like that, but sometimes we have this grass is greener mentality that it's better somewhere else. And so we begin to say, God, and I've done this, God, if You'll just put me over here, I could do so much more for You. I could change so much more lives than where I'm at right now. So just move me over there and You'll see. You'll see that this is how it works. But my question that God had given me when I began thinking that way is, why would I expect God to move me to a greater place of impact when I'm not even willing to make an impact where I am? Why would He want to use me somewhere else if I'm stubborn and resisting the place I am now? How can He trust that I'll be faithful there if I'm not here? Right? So we have to think about that. And, and that kind of mentality says that Oh, if I'd just be over there, life would be better. And I would do so much more. I could do so much more for God. But you know what happens, don't you? Once we get over there, we go, one of two things. Oh, I wish I was back over there. You know, I, I, I was happier. Or in the new place we go, well, God, it isn't as good as I thought. I'm not going to do as much as I thought for you because I just don't like this as much as I thought I would. <laughs> It's a catch-22 when we think like that. But i got to tell you this. If you're thinking like that, that God could use me over there a whole lot better than He can use me right here, I believe for you that you can improve your prayer life, your devotional life, your studying the Bible life, and your time in your life right now where you are. You don't have to be somewhere else to improve that stuff. To think that moving you into a position of great responsibility in the kingdom of God would somehow fix all your devotional prayer and serving life would be kind of insane, wouldn't it? Well, God, just put me over there and I'll be more faithful. Why can't you be faithful now? Why not be faithful now? In Proverbs chapter 3, we read something that most of us have memorized or heard over the years. Some people say, I don't like those verses, but it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know this passage? And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, 
and he shall direct your paths. Right? We've heard that, right? And we go, well, I'll just acknowledge God and He'll direct my paths. But the problem is, is there's a three-letter word in there we don't like. It's the word all. It doesn't say, acknowledge God and He will direct your paths. Acknowledge God as you go along and He will direct your paths. It says, acknowledge Him in all of the things you are. All the ways you go. All the things you belong to. And then He'll direct your paths. But He wants all of you. Do you get that? The Proverbs is very clear. And it's the same guy who wrote Ecclesiastes. Solomon, very wise man. All your ways, and He will direct your paths. But don't lean on your own understanding. If you lean on your own understanding, you're not acknowledging God. You're acknowledging what you think is best. And what we think best is the grass is greener. This is what I want. This is what I need. And God, when you do that, you'll be blessing me and I'll be able to do something for you. God says, acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your paths. Now here's the thing about that. Is we get this thinking in our head and we go, okay God, you're going to acknowledge, I'm going to acknowledge you in everything and you're going to direct my paths. But, what if I don't like where you're taking me? How do I know I'm going to like it? How do I know you're actually going to do that? (laughs) How do I know that I'm not just going to stay stuck where I am. And that, my friends, is leaning on your own understanding of how God works. God says, acknowledge me, and I'll direct you where I want you. Not where you think you ought to be because you think you ought to be there, but acknowledging God has you where He wants you if you acknowledge Him in everything you do. He will put you where He wants you. He will give you We talk about positioning. He'll begin to position you as you're faithful into place where you are more fruitful. God's like that. He's very good like that. But He first of all wants to know that it's all about Him, not about you. And He doesn't like to have to correct you all the time. He'd rather say, well done, good and faithful. You've been faithful in a little. Be faithful in much. And here's what we know. The time to serve God is always right now. No matter where you are, serve God now. Well, God, I'll serve you if you do that. No, now, God says, always be in a servant attitude. The mindset of a servant. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, have a servant's heart. That's what Jesus said. It is also how God determines your faithfulness. There's a passage in Matthew that is a a story Jesus tells about this king. And in this story, if you will, understand the king is the father, or if you will, the son. And in this story, it talks about this man who had several servants and he needed to travel to a far country. And while he was gone, he wanted someone to take care of his possessions. Possessions in that day and time were called talents. And so he calls his servants to him, and to one of them he gives five talents. Now that's, that's a lot of talents. That's like um, a majority of what he owns. To a second one he gave two, and to a third one he gave just one. And the scripture there in Matthew 25.15 says, He gave unto each one according to their ability. 
And as soon as he did it, he left on his journey. Now, here's what we think. God, if you'll just put me here, you'll see how good I am. And God's saying, I want to see your ability right where you are. Your ability is your willingness to serve and take care of the things I've given you in your life to show you that you are obedient to me. We want to dictate how God does that. And when we read this story, we read about, and maybe you've heard this story and remember it, the guy who has five talents earns five more. The guy who has two earns two more. The guy who has one buries it because he's afraid when the guy comes back that he may have lost it or otherwise misplaced it or misused it, and he was afraid. Now, listen to the ability of each of those kind of persons. The person with five says, I'm going to do what I need to do because I have the ability. I've been faithful in a little. Now He's given me five things to care for. And I'm going to do my best with those because I've done a little bit and I know He's given me more and I want to show Him that I know how. So I'm going to be faithful with these things. And so He does. And the same with the man who had two. I'm going to be faithful. He had ability to take two and make it forward. Not quite as good as a guy with five, but God knows what you can do. What you're capable of. And He's placed that ability within you. And the guy with one buries it. Doesn't even try. Now listen, it says He was given the one according to His ability. He didn't even use His ability where He was with one thing to give glory to God with it. He buries it. And when, and when the Master comes back and sees what His servant has buried it, He says, why didn't you invest it and at least give me interest on what was mine? I could have put it in a bank. You buried it. I trusted that you would do something with what I gave you. You say, wait a minute. So what you're saying is, God has given me a something I can do where I'm at. And I'm saying yes. Right now is the time to serve God. Not someday, always the opportunity to give Him thanks and praise in all your ways and He will direct your paths and give you the ability to take one thing He's given you and make it two. Two things, make it four. Four, make it eight. He will continue to increase you as you're faithful to Him with what He has given you. He will raise you up. You see, you're already in a position to succeed. You just don't know it sometimes. And ever since October, we've been talking about God has positioned us as a church for success in whatever we do for God. Personal adventure, maybe not so much. Don't know. I've never heard of that one. But I do know He's promised us an unprecedented season of success in godly endeavors. And it's still under that favor here. We still have that promise upon us. And since we're in a position to... Uh, not only excel where we're at to succeed, but we can do more than we even know God is able to do through us. Some of us think, well, it's just me. Uh, you know, God can't do much. Put it out there. Watch God work. God wants your weakness, not your strength. He wants your brokenness, not your wholeness. And He will give Himself the glory through you. And what you have to offer is all of who you are. Broken, warts, bruised, battered, all of it. Acknowledge Him and 
all things. Your ways, your thoughts, your life, your hopes, your dreams. And what happens is when you begin to see that God can use you where you are, you will act with confidence. That confidence comes with a godly passion. And when that happens, you'll act in a way that people around you go, and and they'll just be taken aback. Like, wow, that was brave. That was bold. That had to be God. And they will be inspired by what you have done or what you have said, or what you have believed, because God is the one you're acknowledging while you're doing it, not yourself. So inspire others where you are with excellence and faithfulness to God, and He will direct your paths. Promise of Scripture, and He will take what you've been faithful with, and according to this passage in Matthew, double it. And He never stops the doubling process. As long as you're faithful. So, my question is, what is your focus? What do you want God to do through you? What do you think God wants to do through you? Is that what you're focusing on when you go throughout your day? Or are you just trying to make it through a day? Trying to put food on a table? Or are you really trying to see God at work every day of your life? It's a good question, isn't it? But it goes along with this one. What is the best possible scenario that God could do through you? The greatest vision you could think of, the greatest dream that God could do through you, that you think maybe if somehow all the cards lined up, all the things fell in place, and God could use you, this would be the best thing God could ever do for me, and through me, for the world, because I'm here. That thing. Do you have a picture of that? Some of us would say, no, I never even thought like that before. But God has something in mind for you, for your life, and for His kingdom that He set aside for you to do, for you to partake in, and for you to astound the world around you, and you're going, I I don't know how to do that, I can't do that. You know, God probably doesn't know what He's doing with me, right? That's how we think. It's because we're trying to focus on ourselves again. But if we acknowledge Him, all of a sudden things will happen and we'll go, well, how did that happen? I was just doing my job, pleasing God and praising Him, and all of a sudden this happened. What? I didn't do that. God's going to go, there you go. Now you realize it's not about you. It's me doing it. You just be faithful. It just happens. I can't explain it. I just know it does. Now, I've been drawing on an experience in my life from this past June when I stood on a street in Broadway, I'm on Broadway, in Paducah, on 6th Street, when I realized that I was not being all in for God in my work site. My motives for working were 99.9% self-focused. Now, how could I expect God to bless me in any area of that work, anywhere else, if I'm not willing to serve Him in that one? How could He? On my case, at that time, I had 18 people and two 
people were working. Two. Out of an eligible 16, two. And I don't know why, but every time someone else would work, someone would quit. Or I'd find some jobs for folks and I'd just not take them. And I was getting frustrated. But on that day, I began to purpose that I'm going to do the next right thing for God, whatever He wants me to do, the best of my ability. And I said, God, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do it the way they ask me. I'm going above and beyond. I'm going to serve these people. I'm going beyond the needs that they need met. I'm going beyond just finding them work. I'm finding them as a person and understanding them and helping them understand who they are so they're more effective as people. And I began to pour into my clients. I remember one conversation I had with one of my clients. I said, now, I'm no counselor here. I'm just helping you try to understand how work works for you. But here's some things I see about you. And for an hour and a half, we talked about his motivations and his personality and the things that he struggled with. At the end of the time, he said, you know, no one's ever shared those things with me. No one's ever cared for me like that. And you're the first person who's ever spent time with me to care about me in any aspect of my life that made a difference. I believe going forward, I will be a better person. That was about three months ago. Today, if you look at my work track record, it's a lot different than eight months ago. All of my paperwork is current and ahead. All my clients except for one are working that are eligible to work. Every last one of them. I have a client that I don't think I can get a job with because he just doesn't have the ability. But you know what I'm doing? I'm digging deeper to find out some inner core parts of him. It's not a job requirement. But I care about this man. And another client that has no father, never did, never had friends, and he's all isolated, short-circuited life. And I'm thinking, God, I can't just give him a job. i got to get him to you. He's got no hope without you. So my work isn't my work. It's about, God, what can I do? Why you got me here? If they find a job, there's 50,000 jobs in this uh, half of the state or more. But there's only one you, and if I don't bring him to you, what good am I? And so I'm looking for ways to bring that in and to share that with people about how they can make a difference and God created them a certain way for a purpose. Not just to be a a time-stamping, put-a-piece-on-go-home type person, but to do something that gives them dignity and do it for the glory of God. There's a difference, isn't there? When I told my supervisor how many people I had working, he said, Dude! That was his word. Dude! You got our percentages up. And I said, No. I don't know how it happened. I just started doing it the right way. I can't tell you why. But when I started being faithful and obedient, God blessed the people I was working with. It wasn't me. I didn't get extra pay. (laughs) I didn't get less hours and more time off. My clients benefited. Do you get that? When we're about God's business, other people get the blessing. It's not about us finding greener grass so we can be better for God. It's we want to be good for God so others can bear the fruit of it. It's not about us. Yet we have a three hots and a cot mindset in our faith and we don't even know it. We, we think that it's all about what we can do for God. 
And God, if you just put me here, then I'll be able to do this. And then this will happen and it'll be good, God. You'll just be happy with what I'm doing. God will be happy with you if you acknowledge Him in all your ways. Walk humbly with Him. Do justice and love mercy. What else would He require of you but to love one another? To love God? Love people. Three Tots and a Cod Mindset says this, Well, what I got isn't that good. This is good enough. This is better enough. But it limits the sight of people to say that all our life is about whether we have a place to eat and sleep. Life is more than food. Jesus even said when He's talking about the sparrows and the birds of the field and the flowers of the field, excuse me, and He said, isn't life more than food and what you eat and what you put on? God knows you need those things. You don't have to worry about them. You have to worry about seeking first, which is Jesus' conclusion of the matter, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all that other stuff God will give you. He'll take care of it. That's His job. But we make it ours. I've long got three hots and caught. I'm alright. Now let me tell you where that came from and what the mentality was. A convict walked into my office one day and he said, Life's been tough. I'll tell you what. I can't find work because of my record. Nobody trusts me. I can't be around my friends because they all do things I'm not allowed to do. It'd probably be better for me to do something wrong and at least I'd have a place to stay and food to eat. I'd have three hots and a cot and at least I'd know where that's coming from. Hear that? At least I would know where it's coming from. He doesn't understand it's not coming from the prison system. Three hots and a cot come from God who clothes the flowers of the field and feeds the birds of the air. The same passage says, a sparrow this small falls out of a tree and God knows it. He knows how many hairs are on your head and how many have fallen out today when you brushed it. If you had hair to brush. Do you understand? This is the kind of God we serve. But we want to relegate it to God. I'll do this if you'll just do that. And God's saying, you don't understand. It's not about you. It's about me. And when it's about me, you'll begin to bless others and you won't even know how it happened. You'll be surrendered. And here's how Jesus says this. In my Father's house are many mansions, <laughs> dwelling places. In my Father's house are many places, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you, and I'm going to prepare one. And when I do, prepare that place. I'm coming to you, and where I am, you're going to be. Now, we sometimes look at that mansion as ours. <laughs> I love that. I love that we do that. But Jesus has a bigger picture in mind. He says His Father has many dwelling places where He's going. Many mansions. Who do you think lives in them? This is the question that we often answer. Well, me, of course. I'm building one. 
all the saints who went before me, they, they, they're up in those mansions. It's not God dwells in those mansions. He has the dwelling places. He dwells in each and every one of them. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a mansion, a dwelling place for you. Which means a place where God resides. I'm going to prepare a place where God wants to be and He's going to bring you and Him together in that place. And the funny thing about it is, if you read the rest of the chapter and get the rest of the story, is He comes back and says, You are the dwelling place of God. That we, my Father and I, says Jesus, come and make our home, our dwelling place, in You. So when He leaves, He's preparing a way so that you and I can be the dwelling place of God our Father. That God lives in us. That is fundamental theology. And if we don't know that Christ is in us, we're in trouble. But Jesus says, if I don't leave, I can't do that. And the only way He could do that is if He could indwell in all of us instead of just one of us. So He had to prepare a mansion a place to dwell for God, and that place was the way where He could dwell in you. And that's what He went to do. And He said, and if I do that, that's verse uh, 4, or 3, excuse me, I will come again and receive you to Me, that where I am you will be also. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying, you are God's dwelling place. Don't miss this. This is the greatest thing I ever got out of these P words. That we think, if I'm just over here in this place, God can use me and He'll bless me there. But we forget that He's inside of us and He's blessing us here. Where we are, no matter where that is, He's with us. We keep thinking that what God wants us to do is something external. That we're trying to put God in a place outside of ourselves. That our mansion is somewhere. We are the dwelling place of God. Scripture tells us over and over again, God does not dwell in places made with human hands. He dwells in human hearts. In lives that acknowledge Him in all their ways. That have turned 180 from themselves toward God. From a life of self-focus and whether I eat, sleep, or drink or not, to a life of praising and thanking God for every moment and acknowledging Him and watching what God can do because He's in me while I do those things. The most mundane task I can do, God is in because He's in me. I remember a statement I heard one time, and in it, it caused me to change how I understand God's presence. Have you ever walked into a room and felt, oh, man, God's not in this place? I have to tell you, I've said that a lot of times, but I haven't said it since in about 12 years. And I'll tell you why. Because when I walk into a room, I brought Him with me. When you walk into a room, Christ is in you, you brought God with you. God is in that place now. And you can say, well, it doesn't look like God's here. Well, then don't look there. Look where He is. (laughs) He's in you. God has transformed you from a worshiper of God to a dwelling place of God where you converse and have that living, breathing life every second of your life. It's accessible. The veil has been torn. You have direct access to God. 
You can't stop and do a 180 and say someone else pray for me. You go directly to the throne room because it becomes who you are. The dwelling place of God. You are the Holy of Holies. The Spirit of God resides in you. You become available to be a praise petitioner directly to the throne room, offering the sacrifice of praise and living a life that gives God glory. You're not becoming a place for God to dwell. You are a place, and God's doing the work of using your weakness to show His strength. In the back of our minds, that doubt crawls and says, but I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't have much. And God says, to what you have ability to do. To what you have ability to do, use that. It doesn't have to be a lot. It has to be what you've been given. Use that. God makes up the difference. Here's how I see this. And maybe, maybe this will help you understand the picture that I have in my mind of how God works. God says, I'm going to do this thing for you, but I'm not going to do the part you can do. i got this change for the world, but I'm not doing your part, I'm doing my part. So you do all that you can, and I'll finish the rest. And, and here's the interesting thing. The 100% of what's going to be done, you might only do 1%. But that's your ability. Or maybe you're doing 20%. And 20% is nowhere close to 100% of needs done, but that's pretty good compared to someone who might only have 1%, one talent. So you got 20%. And God's saying, you didn't get it done, but I got the rest because you did what you could. I'm going to multiply yours with all I am and bring it to what needs done. And we look at what we've done, we go, I didn't do much, and God's going, no, you didn't. It wasn't about you. It was about your obedience to me. So often, we want to talk about the rewards of the kingdom as someday rewards. But God has you in a place right now, in your life, whatever it is, where He says, give me the glory. That place is holy ground. You are holy ground because God is in you. We talked about that last week. You are the dwelling place of God. Jesus had to die and resurrect so He could prepare you to be that place. Some people like to think He's building a mansion up in heaven, but He had to build a mansion in you. You had to be the dwelling place of God. What good would this life be if we didn't have God within us? We'd just have ourselves and nothing else but what we could do. There's hardly much I can do without God. And if God isn't going to help me, there's not much going to get done. But because I know God's going to finish the rest of it, I can do my part. This is what I learned. And, and ever since June, it, it just amazes me because... God has brought people into place. I'll give you an example. Um, this week, I have a, I was saying I have this person who I just really got to get to know. And I really don't think I can get him placed. And, and he's telling me stuff he wants to do, and he just can't, there's just no way. <laughs> there's no, he's unable to do much of anything. He is broken down, beaten, and physically incapable, incapable of doing much of anything. And he tells me he wants to do that. I'm going, oh my gosh. 
There's nobody in this planet who has a business going to want him to do that. Nobody. You're tying my hands behind my back, and I'm going. As soon as he said it, I said, okay, God. Okay, God. This one's on you. You brought me an impossible case to show me your power. That's all I know, because I can't do a thing with this person. And everybody who brought me to him for my clients said, we're sorry, we know he's an impossible person, but the government's insisting you work with him. So God gave me an impossible task. And I mentioned it to my coworker. So all I did, I said, this guy's looking, he can't do anything. This is what he wants to do. And she said, I know a guy. I know a guy. A friend of mine. And his son is disabled. And he works with broken people. Autism. Downs. All day long. And he puts them to work in his shop. And it's exactly, exactly to the word what my client said he wants to do. And I said, I, 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 just, I just got, I smiled, you know, I couldn't say anything, I was moved. I said, God, you, you can do this. How? Acknowledge me in all your ways. I will direct your paths. And, and I'm excited, not because I did something, but because God did something I didn't think He could do. And He's preparing a place for each person where God moves, lives, and has His being. And that is what He's doing. And that's what Jesus said. If I don't leave, I can't do this miracle stuff. But if I do, the whole world will see I can create a place for everybody. And God will be seen in each of those places. And to me, when you know you are where God belongs and where you belong with God, everything changes because you have a place where you belong. That's why I think this is the most important P word. Because we feel we're at home with God when this happens. And how else would you ever expect God to love on you if you don't believe you make a difference where you are? You make a difference where you are. God has seen to that and promised that. Just have to trust that, acknowledge Him, and watch what He does. And what's the greatest thing is when He starts doing it for others through you, you'll be happy. <laughs> you'll be joyful. And it didn't even affect your life. But it came through you. And it's the greatest blessing, uplifting you'll ever experience. I don't know about you, but how would you like to be the person who at the end of the day, someone walked up to you and said this. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but it's because of you I didn't quit. It's because of what you said to me, I made it another day. That's powerful. That means you've inspired somebody and you didn't even know it. And that means you're in the right place. Right now. Serving God. And He'll put you where He wants you to affect greater and greater as you're obedient in that. Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, I thank you for the witness of your work and your word. I'm still humbled, my mind blown away by just a simple statement of I have a friend whose son has a disability and because of his son's brokenness, he works with other people doing the same thing. God, here I was ready to dismiss this comment before it was even said. And I'm so thankful I listened. Help us, Lord, to uh, hear how You use us every day. How You bless us. How who we are matters. That we make a difference. That we inspire people when we acknowledge You. And God, we don't even have to know what's happening. We just have to trust that You love us regardless. And thank You, God, that we're not going to settle for just a place to sleep, roof over our head, that we want to make a difference in the world to be different because we came through, that we have become 180, and we're seeing people around us turn 180. Amen. The last uh, song I selected our team to sing today.